following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. We are carrying uh, the theme in this month of who do you say that I am? And I want you to notice, and we know that from Scripture, that is the question that Jesus, after walking with his disciples for a while, he, he, he basically said, first of all, he said, who do people say that I am? But then he got more personal. He said, yes, because they said Elijah, some say this, some say that. And then he said, yes, but who do you say that I am. And I believe that every believer has to be able to answer for themselves that question, who do we say that Jesus is? It's an important question to answer. I do, and many times, here's a little bit of a caveat, we sometimes tend to answer that question not based on who he is, but base our answer on what he does. And that is never wise. And the reason is, is because as soon as you think you know what he's going to do, he does something else. Because he's got this idea that he's God. We are celebrating today Palm Sunday, and I want to suggest to you in the historical reality of Palm Sunday and then what we celebrate on Good Friday, I want to suggest to you that the same throng of people that were celebrating Jesus and applauding him and welcoming into the city, some of those very same people were part of the crowd that just days later would be say, be crying with the same amount of volume and passion and tenacity, crucify him! Did you know people are fickle? If you haven't learned that yet, it's true. And I want to suggest that one of the reasons that a crowd celebrating this Jesus uh, could turn and now call for his crucifixion was because they came to a realization that he was not going to do what they thought he was going to do. Because he was going to be true to who he was. And their appreciation of who he was was based upon what he did. I would want to suggest to you he made a big political mistake when he rode in on a donkey. Not good. Not good for a king who's going to set up a nation and take over and overthrow Rome. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't come riding in on a donkey. You find the biggest white horse you can find. But they didn't know what he was doing. They thought they knew what he would do, but they didn't know what he was doing. And I want to suggest, when they realized that he had no intention of doing what they thought he was going to do, but intended to do what his father had sent him to do, he was no longer, well, let's just say it this way, they unfriended him. (laughs) 
And you and I must be careful in this day that we do not answer that question, who do you say that I am, based on what he does. There are people, I suspect, in this room who have been disappointed in God because he did not do what we thought he was going to do. And our hope was in what he would do rather than who he was. Because here's the deal. He always remains who he is, but he's inconsistent in what he does. I, I, I have a little concern with statements that we sometimes make like, God always, careful, he doesn't always. Or, well, God did it for one person. He now has to do it for all. Careful. He does not. Well, he's not a respecter of persons. Yes, he is. No, the Bible says he's not a respecter of purpose, uh, persons. Yes, he is a respecter of persons. You've got to take that verse in context. You can't apply it to a broad spectrum. He is not a respecter of persons. Yes, he is. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated, before they were even born. So who do you say that I am? I want to suggest the safest answer to that question is you are Lord of Lords and you are King of Kings. The safest answer to that question is to say you, Lord, are sovereign. You, Lord, are above all else. We sang it, a name above every other name. We need to understand that God the Father gave him, Jesus, all authority above the earth on the earth and beneath the earth. Turn with me to Isaiah. We want to look at Scripture to help answer, who do you say that I am? I want to read a Scripture out of Isaiah chapter 45, but then we're going to go on into chapter 46 for our text. But... I want to remember, Jesus was the exact representation of his father. So we need, so when you really ask the question, who do you say Jesus is? You're asking the question, who do you say God is? And I want to suggest that the best person to answer that question is God himself. Isaiah chapter 45, God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Verse 5. Chapter 45, I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no God beside me. I will girt, girt, girt you, though you have not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form the light and I create darkness. I make peace and I create calamity. I am the Lord and I do all these things. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 
46. And this is our text for this morning. Starts out in verse 9. Remember the former things of old. What? If we go to Isaiah, don't go there. Well, you can if you want to. But, Lindsay, you don't have this verse. But Isaiah chapter 43 says, Do not remember the former things. Remember the former things. Verse 43 says, do not remember the former things. Then it goes on to say, behold, I am doing a new thing. There's a big difference between what God does and who he is. You can forget the former things concerning what he did. But don't forget the former things concerning who he is. And this morning we're talking about who he is. Verse 9 again. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man who executes counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. It will also bring it to pass. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, and I will also do it. I want to suggest that when it comes to answering the question of who do you say that I am, we have to declare he's king of kings and lord of lords, and we have to come to grips with he is sovereign. God is sovereign. God is over everything. And we need to know that. And in these days when there's lots of shaking going on because he said there would be, he would shake everything that can be shaken, don't, don't let it shake you, please. Remember the story of little chicken little? The sky is falling, the sky is falling. No, it's not. The sky is falling, the sky is falling. No, it's not. Peace, be still, settle. I'll take you back to our memory verse for this month. What was it? What is it? Let's read it. Let's read it. I'm going to read 4610, just because God just told me to. Be still and know that I am God. Can I say it a little bit more direct? Shut up and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nation. Yeah, but no, no, shut up. Shh. I will be exalted among. Yeah, but, but shh, shh, stop. I will 
be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. You and I know that one of the things, one of the foundations that we stand on, that sometimes puts us way out on a ledge, is that God is a promise keeper. And the only way that God can be a promise keeper is if he's sovereign. I'll say that again. The only way that God can be a promise keeper is if he's sovereign. And the challenge that we sometimes have is we do not like how he keeps his promises. And we do not like how he does and brings about his purposes. It says in in, uh, Psalm chapter 135, He is God and he does what he pleases. And there's got to be, we, you and I, as children of God, should be more at peace than anyone on the planet because God is at work and He is sovereign. New Testament says it this way, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11, God works all things according to the counsel of His will. Romans chapter 8 verse 28, we all know it well. God works all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Do you love Him? Are you called according to His purpose? Then He's working all things together for good. But we must recognize that if we get our confidence in what he's going to do instead of who he is we can get unraveled because the question is not what do you say God is going to do the question is who do you say that I am and our answer to that at least in part and I know other preachers are going to answer it through through the coming weeks but the part of the answer has to be you are lord of lords and you are king of kings And there's times when we do not understand what he's doing. This church has gone through a lot of difficulties, a lot of challenges, a lot of loss over the last few years. And there can be a tendency to, to, to lose hope and confidence in God. And the only reason that that would happen is if our hope was in what he would do instead of what he wa- who he was. Unanswered prayer can be very disappointing. But do you know that Jesus had an unanswered prayer? Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. But he didn't quit there. However, not my will be done, Father, but yours. I don't know if you realize that in the garden there was a clash between the will of one part of the Godhead and another 
the will of another part of the Godhead. Not my will, Father, but yours. It's important in the process of answering the question, who do you say that I am, that our answer isn't, you are my co-pilot. Jesus is nobody's co-pilot. And sometimes that's what we want him to be because we want him to do what we're convinced he should do instead of do what he is going to do. That's why I say it's not always good to say Jesus always. He doesn't always. And many times we carry disappointment because our hope was in a, out, in a certain outcome rather than our hope being in the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings who sits in the heavens and does as he pleases. We tend to put a lot of responsibility on ourselves. If I only would have, if I only would, if we, if we would just, if we would just do, We look at past moves of God and we say, well, they did this, this, and this. And, or we look at past men or women of God and we say, well, they, they, if, if we could, shh, please. They had a grace on their life from a sovereign God for a sovereign time, for a sovereign purpose. We, put, we, we do have a part and we're going to get to that. Because not only is God sovereign, we're sovereign. And we'll get to that in a minute. But we got to recognize, see, the greatest demonstration of the reality of the sovereignty of God is the Son of God. At an appointed time, He came. At an appointed time, this happened. At an appointed time, at an appointed time, at an appointed time, set in motion by God, prophesied all through the ages. Only a sovereign God could do that. It wasn't a matter of, well, everybody got their, on earth, got their act in order, and so God could move. Give me a break. Oh my gosh. And Jesus is not our co-pilot. So let's read on in our text. We've established God is God. He's got a God complex and he's going to stick with it. So God speaks, and he speaks concerning himself. 
And then in verse, thir- uh, verse 12, he speaks to you and me. Listen to me, you stubborn-hearted. Okay. Maybe he's not talking to you, but he's talking to me. Why would a sovereign God say, listen to me? Because the sovereign God made a people in his image who are also sovereign. To a lesser degree, but nonetheless sovereign. We call it free will, but the reality is that we have the ability to choose for ourselves. You remember in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, God the Father, through Moses, said, Behold, I set before you this day life and death, and I counsel you to choose life. We look around the earth today and we want to say, okay, if God is sovereign, then why is it such a mess? I'm glad you ask. Because he gave sovereignty to man, to a degree. Lesser sovereignty, just free will. And really it's free will for, uh, of an individual only. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have perfect free choice to go to hell if you want to. It's your choice. That's the amazing plan of God. It's the amazing love of God. And we, we, you know, and we as parents, we, sing up, we hang up little posters in our house that say things like, as for me in this house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah. And then kids become teenagers. And they began to exercise their individual sovereignty. And maybe for a time and a season, it doesn't look like the whole house is on board. Just saying. Those of you who parents, uh, parents who can identify with that, can I just point out to you, God's two first kids didn't do so well either. I mean, with their freedom to choose, with that sovereignty, with that free will, they didn't do so well. And then of the first, and then... And then of those two had two, and those first two didn't do so well either. One of them. The other one we don't know how he would have done because his brother killed him before we had a chance to find out how good he'd do. What am I saying? I'm saying the reality is that when God gave you and I, he created us in his image, and part of the image he created us in was the ability to choose, the ability to choose to love, the ability to choose to receive love, the ability to choose to forgive, all the attributes, the things that God could do. He gave us the ability to choose to do rather than just programmed to do it. 
And so we look around the earth today and we can read it. We can read right here. Why, why then, is, if God is so sovereign, why is everything such a mess? Listen to me, you stubborn, stubborn-hearted. You are far from righteousness. We are living in a day when our society is far from righteousness and getting further all the time. Why? Because people are choosing. And they're exercising their right to choose. The reality is that mankind was given stewardship of the earth. And so we, things, we see things going on on the earth that God did not initiate. So set is God on allowing man to have free will that he intervenes here and there. When Adam and Eve sinned and basically passed the chain of authority or the keys of authority, if I could say it that way, onto the serpent, really that's what happened. You remember Jesus said, the prince and power of the air, the devil, how did he get that? He got it from Adam and Eve. He usurped it. They gave away the, the leadership, if I could say it that way, of planet earth to him. Jesus came and got it back. One of the biggest disappointments that some of us have faced over, over time is the loss of people, death. But even in the sovereignty of God, I want us to remember who has the keys to sin and death now. Jesus does. God does things that we makes us scratch our head. It's like, why? And that's not a good question to ask. A far better question to ask is, who? Who do you say that I am? Who do we say he is in those times? Even in these times of calamity, who do we say he is? I have great hope in this time and in this season for the kingdom of God to come into greater expression on the earth. That's why I'm out to make the name of Jesus great again on the earth. Listen to me, you stubborn-hearted, you who are far from righteousness. We are finding in this day how far many people in our nation, and really, it's, I'm sure you, like me, have been praying for years that the hidden things would be exposed. Guess what? Our prayers have been answered. 
And for those of us who uh, you know the difference between you and those who don't know God? They don't know God. Part of the discipline, if I could say it that way, of being a Christian is to relinquish my sovereignty and to put it under the sovereignty of God. That is what it takes. That's what Jesus meant when he said, take up your cross daily and follow me. My life is no longer my own. I've now been bought with a price. But for those who haven't made that decision and don't know God, and the reality is some have known him and rejected him. Some have known the truth and rejected it. It says in Romans that such a people or comes a time when God gives them over to a debased mind. You may watch the news and you may see some things reported and you, you, you may say, how could this possibly happen? There's your answer. It's a twisted, twisted thinking. And you and I can't even fathom how people could go there, think that way, do that, whatever. And it, it can be any number of things. At times like that, we need to have confidence in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who is establishing a kingdom that cannot be shaken. There is in our world, and in our, oh, really, around the world, there is a critical, critical spirit that has surfaced. And there are many voices who take the place of God. Remember, God said, listen to me. And there are many voices that are saying, listen to me. It's true in the world. We saw it, well, we just see it on every avenue. We saw it with the pandemic. We see it politically. We see it socially. We see it financially. We see it, and there's voices clamoring with a critical spirit that say, listen to me, and then tell you what you should and shouldn't do. And they usurp the sovereignty of the voice of God in your life. They do. Remember, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. The sovereign one, the one who is sovereign, said that my sheep, they know my voice and they follow me. And there are voices that are critical in nature that are saying, listen to me. 
you and I must be careful. I, as a preacher, am very aware I need to be very careful that I don't become one of those voices that usurps your ability to hear from the shepherd for yourself. There is a freedom that God gave to all of mankind, and he doesn't put a uh, person in place to usurp that freedom. My concern is that critical spirit finds its way in the church, and now there are people who are saying, listen to me. And then they proceed to tell you what you should be doing about any number of areas. I'm talking about good, solid, Bible-believing people. That ha- Here, Here's the first question that always rises in my spirit when I hear someone telling me, standing in the place of my sovereign shepherd and telling me what I should do, my very first question that pops up in my spirit is, what is their agenda? There are voices that want to rob within the church. Now listen to me. There are voices within the church that want to rob the sovereignty of God for a given agenda. I appreciated what Renee preached last week as it related to a prayer life, that we are all unique and we need to find our niche or our, the way we're wired. And that is true in every aspect of our life. One of the things that the sovereignty of God affords me is to listen to him and to be who he's called me to be and to do what he's called me to do. Isn't it interesting that uh, the Apostle Paul compared the body of Christ to the human body? with all its unique parts. And he asks the question, what good would it be if the whole body were a hand? What good would it be if the whole body were a foot? What good would it be if the whole body were an eye? What good would, the, uh, would it be if the whole body were an ear? And we could go on and on and on. Consider the uh, multi-complexity uh, of your human body and then just consider the complexity of the body of Christ. Consider if we all did the very same thing that you do. Boy, a lot would get undone or go undone. I'm so thankful for, you know, we got this play coming up. Uh, can we give the Jesse and the sound people and the video people just a hand? They've, they've been working hard. You see these mics hanging here. They're for the play. Uh, and 
Um, there's just been all kinds of things that they've been giving themselves do, to do. I, you can be very thankful that it wasn't up to me to do that. But that's true in so many parts of the, the operation and the work of the church and the work of ministry. And so it is in the body of Christ. And we are all unique. And I, 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 uh, I want to take a stand this morning against a spirit of criticism that criticizes that which is not like me. Because that's what it comes down to. And, and I, I want to come against, yeah, go ahead. I want to come against those voices that tell us what we should be doing as individuals. If you were really whatever, you would do this. Oh, peace, be still. Please. It's from the pit of hell because it usurps the sovereignty of God and it usurps the ability for every individual believer to hear from the shepherd for themselves. Beware of people who want to tell you what you should do. I have been preaching for roughly on various levels, but I've preached the gospel for over 40 years in one capacity or another. And I have never seen a time when there are so many voices telling preachers what they should be preaching. It is demonic. It is very dangerous because it has behind it an agenda. And it usurps the sovereignty of God. Who do you say that I am? You are my Lord and you are my King. And you are my Shepherd. Be very aware. of your intimacy with the shepherd and cultivate that. I believe we're coming into days where more than any other time we need to know what we should be doing. That's why one of our core values here is intimacy with the shepherd for yourself. That's why to the best of our ability, and I'm sure we sometimes don't do as good as we could, that's why to the best of our ability, we purpose not to tell you what you should be doing, but to tell you where to go to find out. Why? Because he's sovereign. One of the core values here at Living Waters Church is the culture of honor. And when that here's where it kicks in. When I don't agree with you, but I honor you anyway. Or when I can't give myself to be doing what you're doing, but I honor what you're doing.
It's important that we understand um, that whether we talk about the gifts of the Spirit in Romans chapter 12, or whether we talk about what is often called the motivational gifts, which are in, uh, I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, or the gifts of the Spirit, motivational gifts, Romans chapter 12, or in Ephesians, the fivefold gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, all that whole, all those gifts and expressions, biblical terminology and expressions for those gifts, all have one thing in common. They come by the grace of God. And there is a grace to be that. So you do and be what you have the grace to be. Because if you don't have the, if it, is, if it is anything other than the grace of God, it is emptiness. See, the Apostle Paul, we look at a man like the Apostle Paul and we say, wow, what a man of God. Wow. But he said it. I am what I am by the grace of God. And I trust that that would be able to be said of all of us. Father, we thank you this morning that we can rest in a place of knowing your sovereignty and of knowing as much as we don't like everything that's going on, you don't like everything that's going on. And the difference... And we can co-labor with you in bringing the change needed. But you do not co-labor with us. We thank you that you are doing things that we cannot see. We thank you that you are bringing forth a kingdom in a way that we may not appreciate yet, but we will. We trust you, Lord. We declare our confidence in you. We declare that you are king and you are Lord. We declare that you set leaders in place and you remove leaders. And we ask you to do that, Lord. Even right now, we ask you to set things in order according to your long-term perfect plan. We relinquish our right to dictate to you what that will look like because we have confidence in you. And we thank you for it. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.